You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6 tonight. And this is a message that's been on my heart. I... um, you know, after this summer, this summer was kind of one of those, uh, you know, busy, busy ministry summers for myself, and um, and I kind of have wrapped up some of the busyness. I've got another uh, youth rally next week that I'm preaching, and um, and and yet for the most part, my preaching opportunities have kind of ended. But one of the things that really stood out to me or struck me this this summer is how much of a spiritual recharging I need. To keep ministering like we do sometimes, and um, especially you know we went from uh, vacation Bible school early in the summer, which was uh, just great. It was a great week, and we have some families that it looks like we're even going to gain some a family at least one from vacation Bible school. I think in large part, um, and uh, and yet I went from there. Then I did a camp right after that, and it was during that week of camp that I. That, that, that the Lord was really helping me to see how much I need him if I'm going to minister with any kind of energy or any kind of vibrancy or life, that I really need the Lord. And, and I know that we know that, and you know that. But this summer, it's just been extra real for me. I, uh, I was counting up the number of times I've preached not, in, not at Eastside. And you know I did uh, three camps and... Then we had vacation Bible school. I was throwing that in there. And then just other things, uh, the MRI down in Oklahoma City. And, and so uh, that was for a ministry refresher institute is what that was. And, and I, I think 36 or 37 extra times of speaking, not in our services here at Eastside. And, and I don't do that to, to throw a number out to impress you. I do that... Because if, 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 if you could just put yourself in that position, you realize if you don't eat, you have nothing to give anybody else. And many of you have been in seasons of life that you have a lot on you. And if you don't take something in, you will have nothing to give out. It's kind of like God puts you in a position as a, as a vessel and maybe you're full of water, you're full of some kind of refreshment for somebody else and you're pouring yourself out you're pouring yourself out you're pouring yourself out but if you don't go back to the sink every once in a while and refill yourself you will have nothing left to give and and that's there have been a few times this summer that I that I felt that I it's been that way for me and and so last week while we were up at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp in Colorado uh, they asked me to do give a charge to uh, the workers, those that are at summer staff. And the summer staff there are mostly young people, they're college students or high school students, 16 and up. And, and I was trying to think about what I could give them that could be a help to them. Um, and in talking to some of them beforehand, I realized even young people, when you give day by day by day, it doesn't matter how much energy you have. This was the second to the last week of their summer and they were tired. They were spent, weary. And so I, I brought a, a lesson, a devotion out of 2 Kings chapter 6. And, and probably most of these thoughts are thoughts that I've heard somebody else speak. 
um, but thoughts that have stayed with me. And I want to give to you tonight because there will be seasons in your life that you think you've got nothing left to give. And yet, if you will realize the source of your reinvigorating, the source of your revival is outside of yourself and it's in the Lord, you find out he has a reservoir that never runs dry. And if we could learn to tap into that, I think we've got some things that'll be a help to us tonight. 2 Kings chapter 6, so if you would go ahead and stand out of honor of the reading of the scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6, and I was thinking even about just a minute ago about, about Brother Dano, the missionaries that are here tonight. And after you've been on the road for a while, you feel every church, you're like, I don't know that I have anything to give. We've been driving, the kids have been crying all day. You know, I, you just feel that way. Moms, those of you that are at home and you're giving to your children all the time, you ever feel that way? You can say amen to that one if you want, ladies. Okay, that's what I thought. Well, I think this really applies to all of us tonight. 2 Kings chapter 6. It says in verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. It's too small. We need more room. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he, Elisha, answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. And we'll, that will end our reading there, but just the idea tonight that I think will be a help to us, it's been a help to me, this thought, um, is have you lost your spiritual edge? Have you lost your spiritual edge? And when you have lost your spiritual edge, what are you supposed to do to get it back? And I think we've got some answers from this story that I think will be a help to us uh, tonight. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we need you. I need you. And I pray that you just help us, Lord, to be open to this. Help our minds and our hearts to be focused, our attention to be completely on you tonight. Lord, I pray that we would take the time to apply this to ourselves. Because it really, it applies to every one of us. God, we need you. Pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds and hearts as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Have you ever lost something of value, uh, of such value to you that you would do anything to get it back? I, I remember one time I was traveling. I was up in Montreal, Quebec with, uh, with a music group that we were, we were traveling with a men's group from our church. And, and we were up there ministering at a men's meeting and... I remember we were at this restaurant and I had my, back in the days uh, where you had, your phone was one item and your camcorder was another item. It used to be those two things were not the same thing. So I had my phone, I had, um, I had a camcorder and a, a video camera that, uh, that I had about three years worth of family videos on. And you know, back in those days, this would have been probably... I don't know, 13, 14 years ago, 
it wasn't as easy to back things up. And you're, you know how that is. You know where this is going, right? So I had this video camera and I was carrying it around with me on this trip. And, and I had left it in the bag sitting next to my chair at the restaurant. Well, we got up to leave and I followed the group out. And, on our, and after we had left the restaurant, probably 10 minutes later, I said, oh no, I left my, my video camera um, at the restaurant. And so I had one of the guys then take me right back and we went back to the, to the restaurant and looked at my seat. I asked every waiter, and of course they were speaking good English while they were serving us um, you know, our food, but suddenly when the camcorder's there, they weren't speaking any English. I couldn't really find anybody to help me because it's French, you know, French speaking Quebec. And that camera was nowhere to be found. I mean, within 15 minutes, the camera was gone. And I, we had videos, I, had, I remember one video specifically of Caitlin when she was probably four years old and she's quoting all these Bible verses and, you know, and it's just precious memories that you can't get back. Maybe that's happened to you where you've lost something of great value and you wish you could do, you wish that you could figure out a way to get it back, but in yourself, you don't have a way to get it back. It's gone. You know, Second Kings is a story about a young man that lost something and he would have done anything to get it back. It's a, the story is about a group of young men that are training to learn God's word. You might even call them Bible college students. These are the sons of the prophets or the school of the prophets. And there were a group of young men that, were, that had aligned themselves with the prophet Elisha for the purpose of religious training and learning the law and carrying on the legacy of God's prophets like, like Samuel and Elijah and Elisha. And these young men, they wanted to do something for God. So they come to Elisha with this request in verse 1, and they're, they're looking for, to do more for the Lord. It says in verse 1, the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwelt with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And this is a good sign in that these young men, they were hoping um, to, to do more for the Lord. And, and they wanted, uh, there were, that means that the fact that they were looking to build a bigger building means that there were other young men that were hoping to join the school of the prophets. Which means there was expansion going on. You know, there were other young men that wanted to jump in and wanted to learn from Elisha. And so these young men, they show initiative and they show a desire to do more, they weren't content to just stay where they were. It wasn't one of those things where they, they say, we've got our building, we've got our dormitory, and we, yeah, we know you want to come join, but we don't have room for you. We're content. You know, sometimes a church can get that way, can't we? we where we're like, we're content, this is who we have, you know, us four no more, one of those things. And yet, you know, when it comes to God's work, there's always room for expansion. There's always room to find somebody and bring more in. And that's, that's what these, this school of prophets was looking to do. They, we should all want to do something bigger for the Lord. We should not be content with what we have. We, we, now we should be content, you know what I mean? We should be content in the Lord. But I shouldn't be complacent to just say, well, you know, this is what I've always done. As a Sunday school teacher, I'm not going to learn or grow because this is fine. No, we should want to expand. We should want to get better. We should seek to serve the Lord better than we have rather than just settling, which is what many of us do. And the sons of the prophets, they're not that way. They're not settlers. They're builders. They're pioneers. 
So they come up with this plan to accomplish something. They say, Elisha, there's no more room to bring other people into the school of the prophets. So let's go down to the Jordan River. We're going to cut down trees and we're going to build a new college dormitory. That's the idea. And Elisha says, that sounds like a good idea. He says, go ye. And by the way, if you have plans to do something bigger for the Lord, uh, it's always a good idea to go through the proper channels of authority. Meaning, initiative is a great idea, but God sets up a process, an authority structure, and, and makes sure, you know, I'm telling you, pastors love initiative. Uh, we need more initiative. We do. Um, more people to take the bull by the horns and take ownership of their ministries. But when you do, make sure you go through the proper process. It could be that those in leadership have thought of things that, that maybe you haven't thought about. And I'm thankful for this spirit, but just be mindful of that. There's, there's always a structure of authority to go through. And these young men, they went to Elisha before they just started building. I'm thankful for the good example. Verse 3, it says, And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. I love this too. Not only do, do they include Elisha in the plans, they invite him to come along. They say, we want, you, we want to do this with you. And, and Elisha says, yeah, I'll go with you. Verse 4, so he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. You know, I love the way they just get to work, don't you? You know, they, 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 they have an idea, they have a plan in place, and they want something bigger, and they, so they do it the right way, and they come out swinging. No messing around. I, I like it. I like zeal, and I like excitement about God's work. Uh, they have zeal, they've got passion, they've got energy, they don't waste time. And, you know, Wednesday night, maybe that's not the right time to preach a message about excitement because you're tired, you've been working. But listen, when, you, when you, get, you get to come to God's house and hear God's word, there should be some excitement, even on a Wednesday. I mean, say amen, guys, and be happy and, and come and, and jump in and be engaged. Uh, you know, we need some zeal sometimes. You know, we also, though, need some zeal with knowledge. I remember one time I went down to a, a wedding at a church, and, and these guys, they wanted to help so bad, and they were, they were kind of tearing the platform down. And, and so these guys, they, they, were, they, they saw that there was a need, and they jumped in, and they started taking the microphones down. And, and so they, grab, they, they were grabbing the microphone cables by the cable and just pulling as hard as they could because those mic cables wouldn't come out of the floor. And I literally watched two of them just yank the mic cable, the box, the junction box, just, just yank the, the adapter and they're just right out of the floor. So have zeal, but do it with knowledge, okay? So don't be mindful, but I'd still rather have, you know, one guy with gumption than 10 guys who've been doing it for so long that they're complacent about it. You know, so my first question to you tonight is, how excited are you about God's work? How much zeal do you have for God's work? That good Greek word, gumption. How much gumption do you have for God's work? Um, sometimes it's time to stop talking and, and it's time to renew some energy and passion and just start cutting some wood. Come out swinging and just get moving. And maybe that describes the way you started in your Christian life. That when you started, it was all zeal and all passion and all energy. And you came out swinging right away. You had big plans for God. And you had an axe and you were ready to go. 
But this happens a lot. Verse 5 can happen to any of us. It says, but as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. That poor prophet in training lost his axe head. He lost the tool required to get the job done. And you know, this can happen to us too. See, we come out swinging and we're excited and the axe head is going and, and we're so excited. But then we look up and realize we've lost the tool. We've lost the edge with which we can cut the wood down. And when you lose your axe head, you can beat on a tree with that handle all day long and you won't make a dent on the tree. You can imagine that somebody with just a handle out there beating on a tree thinking they're going to bring it down. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like all you've got is a handle and you're beating against the tree and there's no progress being made. There are no cuts being left. That tree is no, uh, is no sooner going to fall down. Um, you might as well just give up because you're not, doing, you're not making any progress. Has anybody in here ever felt that way as a Christian in your Christian life? Where you're ba banging against a tree and there's no axe head to help you. You're just kind of going through the motions and you're busy. And, and you're busy as ever and then one day you realize that your walk with God is empty. And there's activity but there's no spirituality. And there's motion of body but there's no engagement of heart. It's easy to get like the Laodicean church in Revelation 3 and that we have works, but in our hearts we're not hot, we're not cold, we're lukewarm. Does that describe you? You know, maybe you used to be excited about church and you used to be faithful to your daily devotions and you used to get something out of the Bible reading and out of the preaching and you used to get pumped about preparing a lesson for Sunday school or junior church, and you were swinging away, cutting down trees, you had big plans for God, you had good intentions, but one morning, you woke up and realized, there's no axe head anymore. Right. You know, it's at this point, that young person, and, and, and of older folks, and, and those newly saved, and those been saved for a long time, that it's at this point, that you can either keep swinging away, and trying to make a dent with the wrong tool, or you can do whatever it takes to get your edge back. Yeah. See, what did the son of prophet do? Of the prophets do? He, I think his response has something to teach us. Number one, he cared that he lost it. Yeah. He cared. Listen, I know you're tired tonight. I know some of you are weary from work. But do you care? We need to be confronted with that tonight. It's one thing to go through the motions. It's one thing to lose the axe head. It's another to not care that it's gone. And based on his reaction, look what he says. He says, alas, master, verse 5. And alas is a word that expresses pain. This is not a small word. It's a formal way of saying, ouch. The axe head flies into the water. He's like, ouch. Alas. You know, it's obvious that this loss was painful to him. And we find out why. Because he says, it was borrowed. 
This is not mine. He knew if he didn't find it, he's going to have to pay for it. And that alas is what Bible college students say when an unexpected bill shows up. Or any college student or anybody with children or anybody trying to pay for gas in our culture. You know, this hits all of us. Ouch! When an unexpected bill comes, that's what this guy is going through. He cared, though, that he lost the edge. It ought to bother us that we're not where we used to be spiritually. Far too many Christians are complacent about the fact that they've lost their edge and they know that something's off, but they just continue on like nothing's different. And there's no mark left on the tree, but they're swinging away and they're fine with that. And the tree's not coming down. No progress is being made. There's no hot or cold. But, you know, you, you just keep swinging. But somebody had loaned this axe head to this young man in good faith. And they expected it to be returned in the same condition. And maybe, and I've been guilty of this, I know. But have you ever borrowed or loaned something to somebody and expect it to come back in the same condition? And it doesn't come back in the same condition? I, I'm just recently, we've been trying to upgrade our luggage and for our travels, and, and we bought this brand new luggage, and it looks really good. Um, and after one trip, we were like, why buy new luggage? We come back, it looked like the guys working there had opened it and jumped on it like a trampoline, you know, and kicked it around and dragged it through the dirt. And I mean, zippers, are, you know, I mean, just good night, one time. You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't expect that when you loan something to somebody or you entrust some somebody with something i i'm thankful this young man had the sense to know you don't return something worse than you found it that's a good lesson by the way for the young men in this room here somebody loans you something if you're going to borrow something make sure you return it as good as you found it and don't don't just take it and and, and use it and get it dirty or dull it and not turn it back. You know, this is true though that you have everything we have we borrowed from is borrowed from God. So if we're gonna put ourselves in this young man's position, listen, your body is borrowed. It belongs to God. Your time is borrowed. You know, you have a timeline, and from the beginning to the end, God knows your timeline. All of those minutes in your life are borrowed from God. So your body is borrowed, your time is borrowed, your treasure is borrowed. Everything that you own is God's. We treat it like it's ours to do with what we want, but it belongs to God. Your talent belongs to God. So your gifts, young person, um, elderly, right in the middle, it doesn't matter from the oldest to the youngest in this room tonight. God has every person in this church body that he intends to be in this church body. He wants you to be here. He has a place for you to serve. You have a talent. You have an ability. You have something to offer Eastside Baptist Church. And, and so that means that you need to find your place. And if you don't, just understand you're not using what is God's for God. If you're sitting on it, don't sit on it. Every one of you. I mean, we've got people in here with all kinds of gifting in all kinds of different areas. Make sure that you let God have the first claim on that gift in your life. Knowing that everything is borrowed, knowing that we're bought with a price by Jesus Christ, that God owns the title to our lives, it ought to bother us that we just sit on the things that we have without maximizing it for the one for whom we serve. Don't sit on those things. Be willing to invest and, and use the things that God has given you for God. Here's why because we're just stewards. We're just stewards. 
One day we're going to stand before God and we're going to answer for the things that we've done, uh, the things that we do in our body, and the th- what we've done with our time and what we, uh, how we've used our talents and how we used our treasures. We're going to be judged for, not, for the works done, whether they were for Christ or for ourselves. So don't just be content to sit, invest what God has given you because it belongs to God anyway. And God expects us to do what we have uh, or to, to take what we have and do something more with it. Don't turn it in worse than you got it. Are you bothered that you've lost your edge? Well, this young man then doesn't just, he's not just bothered that he lost the edge. He seeks, to get, he seeks help to get it back. Look what he says in verse 5 again. He says, alas, master. He was willing to get counsel. You know, I'm thankful he went to Elisha. This is the man of God who had done miracles, who had seen, uh, he had seen him do things for the Lord that nobody else was doing. And I'm thankful that the man of God, this resource, this was his first stop. You know, he didn't post a picture of himself crying with an, with an empty axe handle. Which is kind of the way we do things now, isn't it? Something bad happens, make sure the tears are going, take a picture, let everybody know. No. He goes to the one place, the one resource that could actually help him get it back. He goes to Elisha. And this young man had a problem that he couldn't fix on his own because an axe head was above his pay grade. He needed God's help through the man of God. And this lesson that we can learn is he was willing to humble himself for help when he lost it. And God, God has put people in your life when, when you need them. And you look around the room and you've got a room full of friends. And our problem is, though, when we lose our spiritual edge, we don't, we don't want to bother anybody with it. Or we don't want to humble ourselves enough to get help. You have a whole church family that wants to provide help. And I just want to tell you tonight, be willing to get help if you need it. If you need accountability, you can find it here. If you need somebody to help you walk through some things, you can find it here. And, and listen, if they're honest with you, don't be defensive. It's amazing how many people ask for help. And then when you want to give help, they get defensive about it. Notice I'm smiling, okay? If somebody gives you advice or even gives you a plan, don't be defensive. Number two, give them the courtesy of trying what they've told you. That's another thing. If if you're going to get some help and you need some accountability and somebody gives you some help, don't ignore it. Say, okay, you know what? I asked them for help. They gave me their advice. I'm going to follow through with this. You know, don't be defensive. If they're honest, receive it. Don't get upset. Be willing to accept the truth about yourself. If someone that loves you says, you've lost your edge, I can tell that something's off with you and, and, and what's going on. You need to get that edge back. Rather than huff and puff, examine yourself. Be humble. Be open to the help. Verse 6 says, And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. So Elisha asked where, where it was and where it fell on the water, and he was willing to show him. He was honest. He asked for help. He was transparent. If you, want the, the, if you want to get back what you've lost, you need to be willing to admit where you lost it and what happened. 
Go back to the place. You know, if there was a time when you were closer to God, if there was a time that you had joy or you had more contentment or you were in a better place spiritually, think about what's changed since then. And be willing and honest about what's changed. It's, and I've used this before, but it's like the old couple riding in the truck after 50 years of marriage and she looks over at him and says, honey, what happened? We used to sit right next to each other on the bench. And the man says, I haven't moved. You know, God hasn't moved. He's not the one that changed. The book isn't any different. The preaching and the teaching at Eastside, I mean, it's, it's the same. The spirit is the same. And if we've lost our fire, it's because we moved. So if you lose your spiritual edge and somebody tries to help, don't try to hide it. Show them where you lost it. Receive help. Be willing to take the steps that you're given. You can't be helped until you come clean, until you're open, until you're honest. It's hard to be open, isn't it? It's hard to admit when we've made a mistake. It's hard to admit when we've failed. But when you have a mature, faithful church member who has your best in mind and they're willing to help you walk through it, just say, whatever they say, I'm going to receive it. Just be willing to, to be honest. We're not meant to do these things alone. I was thinking about this this afternoon. Sometimes we act like Christianity is golf. You know, in golf, you're, it's just you. You're the only one. Your score is exactly how good of a golfer you are. doesn't say anything else about anybody else. But Christianity is not really golf. Christianity is more soccer or football or basketball. It's a team sport. Meaning you're not supposed to walk the fairways by yourself. And it's not all up to you. That's why you have a church family. Because God knew that this was bigger than one person could handle. And he knows we need each other. You need this church family. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and those of us in here who are maybe in a good place. And, and maybe that, that's most of you. Then be willing to help somebody who needs some steps. Take some time and invest in them. I'm thankful for those that, that are willing to walk through the continued material with other people. It's a blessing and it's needed. And you're giving up time during the week, I know. But listen, they need that. That's what we do as a church family. So if, be, you know, don't be content. If you lose it, be upset that you've lost it. But seek help to get it back. But finally, third, trust in God's provision to get it back. Meaning, this is not something that you can make happen on your own. You need God's help. See, look at verse 6 again. It says, The man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Oh, naturally. That old trick to get iron to swim. Works every time. No, I, I love this miracle, because this I've never seen this work. This didn't, this didn't happen in the Bible before. It didn't happen in the Bible since. After asking where it fell, Elisha cuts down a stick and then he takes that stick and he beats the young man over the head with it. <laughs> you lost your accent! No, he doesn't, actually. He throws it in the water, which is what you'd expect him to do. <laughs> Not really. Nobody saw this coming, folks. He cuts down a stick, he throws it in the water, and the school of the prophet guys are like, what is he doing? Elisha cuts the stick. Everyone's thinking, what's going on? Well, what's going on is this, is that the Lord is prompting Elisha to do something 
that was unexpected. Nobody had ever seen this trick before. And there's no reason to think it's going to work. Sticks don't make iron float. But that's the point. See, if you're going to regain your spiritual edge, there's no man-made formula. There's no classic recipe to fix it. I mean, they could have tried diving, but that doesn't make the point the text is trying to make. You see, the iron did swim. It actually worked. And the Lord did a miracle, and he retrieved the axe head without any human help. And, and that's a good thing, because if the sons of, prophet, of the prophets had been able to retrieve the iron on their own, it would have left God out of the process. And instead, this miracle is done in such a way that nobody could get the credit except God. And the point is this, only the Lord can revive what you've lost. You, you can't make this happen with, with more effort. You can't make it happen by chopping harder. You can't make it happen by getting busier at church or doing more soul winning. That's not how it works. Listen, according to this text, your ability to serve God is not dependent on your strength and it's not dependent on your effort. It's dependent on God's grace. We get so busy chopping that we forget everything we do is to be done in the spirit and in the power of God, not in our effort and not in our will. But we're so busy chopping that we've left God out of the process and we wake up in the morning with no time to pray because we're too busy and we have too much to do. We get up with no time to read God's word and feed ourselves for the day so we go out and we just start chopping and we run bus routes and we teach cl classes and we sing in the choir and we chop and we chop and we chop and we don't realize that the axe head flew off a long time ago. Our, arm, our arms are tired, but there's no mark on the tree. And we're chop, chop, chopping, but nothing's coming down. And, and today I just wanted to tell you, it's possible to be busy for God and produce nothing that lasts for God. Right. And I, it's time to get the edge back is the point tonight. And you say, but how? I've been chopping for so long. Is it even possible? Well, it is when you consider the point of this text, at least the point that I believe is in this text. It's this. If iron can swim, you can get your axe head back. If God can retrieve iron from the bottom of a lake, or the river, I should say, with a stick and a prophet, then he can give you back what you need. If this miracle is possible, then it's possible for you. Meaning, it doesn't matter how long you've been without your axe head. And it doesn't matter how long you've been swinging away. And it doesn't matter how, how far you've gone down. It doesn't matter how sinful you've been. If iron can swim, God can give you his strength again. If iron can swim, God can overcome your failures. And if iron can swim, the Lord can forgive you and restore you and make you a useful servant and with, a, with a place in his work and all the enabling grace that you need to get those things done for God. And you just have to be dependent on that. So you have to believe that it's not about you, it's about God and his enabling grace. What are you depending on? I mean, when you teach your class... Are you begging God for his strength? 
When you knock on a door on Saturday mornings, are you seeking God to give you the Holy Spirit's power to do that work? Moms and dads, when you're trying to teach your children the truth of God's word and raise them and discipline them and do what's right, are you doing it in your strength or God's? Because if we leave God out of the process, it won't be productive work. Look at the last commandment Elisha gives the young man in verse 7. Therefore said he, take, up, take it up to thee. Because the iron swam right up to him and is looking at him. I don't know if he's looking at him. That's the way I imagine it. It swims right up to him and Elisha says, bend down and pick it up. And so he put out his hand and he took it. Listen, the one act you're responsible for in getting that spiritual edge and vitality back is that you have to reach out and accept it. It sounds a lot like salvation, doesn't it? By the way, I want to say tonight, if you come here tonight and you don't know that you're saved, um, the, the same principle applies in that it's not your work that gets you saved. If you die tonight, do you know that you'd be on your way to heaven? If you don't, you can't do anything about it on your own. But God saw your condition as a sinner and as deserving of consequences forever separated from God. That's what we all deserve. But God sent Jesus Christ to die in our place. He died for our sins. And all you, just like the axe head, all you have to do is reach out and just pick it up by faith. You say, that's all I need. Is he, God's already done the work. The iron swam right up to the shore and it's just waiting to be picked up. Salvation, the work is done on, was done on the cross. And Jesus Christ says the gift is sitting right there. You just need to reach out and take it. And if you have never received Christ as your Savior, listen, tonight is the night. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds and you don't know when Jesus Christ will return. You just need to reach out and take what the, the work that's already been done. This sounds so much like salvation. It reminds me of Colossians 2 where, where Paul said, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You receive Jesus Christ by what? Faith. By faith. Well, the Bible says, so walk ye in him. By faith. It's not about your works. It's about his enabling. Listen, God's not impressed with your chopping if you're doing it without his power. So if you don't teach your class by faith and in complete dependence on God for help, you're hitting a tree with an axe handle. Just going through the motions. And if you're passing out tracks in your wisdom, instead of depending on God to do the work, then you're not doing anything that will last into eternity. And if you're trying to be a husband or a wife or a mom or dad without God's help, listen, the reason you're frustrated at home is because you're trying to chop without an axe handle. You must every day be dependent on God and have a relationship and walk with him if you're going to keep chopping and making headway. And Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And I say this, you can't do anything for God without God. You can't do anything for God without God. This young man, he reached out his hand and because he knew without God's help he was in trouble. And maybe some of us in here need to come to the end of ourselves and just reach out our hands tonight and say, God, I'm tired. And I'm weary. And there's a lot of motion, but there's no progress. And I feel like I'm on a spiritual treadmill. And I need the axe head back. I need it sharpened again. I, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I can't. Do what only you can do, Father, because I need you. 
I saw, found this story about two woodcutters named Peter and John. And they often, they bantered about who could cut more wood. So one day they decided to have a contest to see who could. And, this, and the rules were simple, that the man that produced the most wood by the end of the day won the contest. So the next morning they met in the forest and they started chopping and they worked furiously. And for about an hour before Peter, uh, uh, it was about an hour later that Peter stopped. And when John looked over, he, he realized that Peter had stopped and he was like, Yes, he stopped. I can, I can keep chopping. He's, he's tired already. So he kept chopping down those trees at racing speed. And after about 15 minutes, then John heard Peter start back up and he said, now I'm 15 minutes ahead. I have got this. So, you know, after another hour, then John was starting to feel a little tired when he heard Peter stop again. And it reinvigorated him because he's like, yes, for another 15 minutes, Peter stopped and John just kept on with his energy. And, and he said, I've got more energy. I'm going to keep going. And every hour, Peter would stop chopping for 15 minutes and John would just furiously carry on. And by the end of the day, John was sure that the victory was his. And so, but to his surprise and amazement, they compared piles and his pile was significantly smaller um, than Peter's. So he was puzzled and he looked over and said, how could this happen? I heard you stop working every 15 minutes. And Peter just replied, well, every time I stopped while you were still chopping down trees, I was sharpening my axe. And I heard somebody say once that time spent sharpening is time saved cutting. Listen, we can't do God's work without our spiritual edge. But we get so busy chopping that we forget without time with God every day and communication, speaking to him, hearing from him in his word, listening, seeking, meditating, memorizing. Without that, it doesn't matter how furiously we chop. And it doesn't matter how busy we stay and how active we are and how smiley we look because without that axe head, we're just beating a handle against a tree. And there's all kinds of motion and there's no eternal production. So I'm asking you tonight, have you lost your spiritual edge? Where's the zeal? I mean, I understand being tired, but where's the passion? Where's the excitement for God and his work? Do you need to maybe some help, some accountability to get it back? Because you've got friends here. A room full of friends that would help you if you'd ask. Have you left God out of the sharpening process? And that you've been trying to get back, but you've done it in your strength and you've got to stop relying on yourself and return to daily dependence on God. Let me just remind you, if you've lost your edge, that God isn't the one that moved. And you can't do anything for God without God. On the flip side, let me encourage you with this. That means that anything is possible with God. And if iron can swim, you can get your edge back. But you're going to have to come to the end of yourself and recognize I cannot do this on my own. I need some help from an outside source. And then when God says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to reach down and you need to accept my help. Then you've got to do what he says. Come to the end of yourself, acknowledging you had nothing to do with it, and just reach out and gain his strength for the task. And so you can't do anything for God without God. 
but that means anything is possible with God, which means that nobody in this room right now is too far gone to get your axe head back. It doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how weary you are or how discouraged or how depressed or, or how hopeless it seems. Because if, if God can make iron swim, he can restore you. If he can make iron swim, he can make you excited again. If he can make iron swim, he can forgive you. If he can make iron swim tonight, for somebody in here, it may be this. If God can make an iron, iron axe head swim, he can save you. If God can make iron swim, he can give you zeal for your class again. If he can make iron swim, moms, he can give you the energy to survive the days with the kids. Maybe. <laughs> no, I know he can. There's nothing beyond his power if he can make iron swim. And let's remember that tonight as we approach the invitation. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. I, I hope this, this was such a help to me, this thought, this, this thought flow, these truths. And if they're a help to you tonight, maybe you just need to come and humble yourself before the Lord. And just admit that you've lost some of the spiritual edge. Just admit that you've, you've kind of grown used to it, grown complacent to it. Maybe it doesn't bother you all that much that you've lost it. Well, I hope not. But tonight's the night to maybe make some things right with the Lord and come back to him and beg him to help re restore some of that zeal that you're missing. Because the last thing that I want to do is stand before the Lord and recognize that all he did for me, yet he went 100%, but I was about 10% for him. Or 20%. I mean, if he went to those links for me, let's go to those, let's return that and say, you went to those links for me. You can do anything and you, I mean, you've got all power. So why do I think that I can give you something less in return? Let's ask him for help tonight as we seek him. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.